Hey, before we get started, I want to tell you about Steel Residential. If you're trying to figure out what to do in the Triangle's complicated real estate market, you need an expert on your side. You need someone with experience and knowledge of the nuances of our local market. You need someone who's going to be honest and reliable. You need the team at Steel Residential. Whether you're looking to buy, rent, invest, or manage your property, Steel Residential can give you all the guidance you need to make the right decisions for you. Give them a call at 919-443-5834 or visit steelresidential.com. All right, let's get started with the episode. This is Podcast Rally with your hosts Ashton and Hayes. I think we have to hit the Gen Zs and the Millennials and get them excited about an evening out, seeing theater and stuff, but also introducing children to uh, performing arts and seeing it and having their eyes opened up by the magic of live performance. And, you know, I do promise, like, once you're in the theater and you see something, you experience it, it's, it is, like, transformative. Welcome in to Podcast Raleigh. In this episode, we talk to Lauren Kennedy Brady, founder and head of Theater Raleigh, a professional nonprofit theater company and performance space in North Raleigh. She tells us all about Theater Raleigh's history and its current programming and even shares some exciting news. Lauren Kennedy Brady grew up in Raleigh and grew up in the theater, so it only made sense that after a successful Broadway career, she returned to her hometown and ended up running what became Theater Raleigh. Now Theater Rally has its own space and puts on all kinds of shows, but Lauren's mission remains the same. Make great theater here in Raleigh. You can get tickets for shows and more information at theaterrally.com. And we started by asking Lauren about how she ended up in Raleigh. My dad went to Duke. My mom went to Meredith. They were both from Wilson, North Carolina. They were high school sweethearts. Um, but anyway, uh, long story short, my dad thought he was going to be working for Southern Bell. Remember that? Yeah. Remember Southern Bell? Um, and then realized he did not want to work for someone else. He wanted to do his own thing. So he convinced his father to let him open a franchise of his electrical wholesale business, but in Raleigh. So he that's what he did. And yeah. he's, he just sold his business, just sold the building. and But they've been here, yeah. They've been here ever since 60, I don't know, a lot of years, 60 um, years. We might talk some more about that building, but uh, but uh, what are your memories of growing up in Raleigh? Oh, well, the best. I mean, I grew up, you know, in Five Points. Sure. So, you know, we had a great um, childhood experience, you know, I on Cowper Drive, like Creek in front of my house and just so neighborhoody, so 70s where I was always barefoot and like... I always had a cold, obviously, because um, my parents never made me wear shoes. But it was just really wholesome and really great. I I spent my first few years going to Ravenscroft, but then moved to public school and middle school, went to uh, what is now Oberlin Middle School and Broughton High School. Yeah, yeah I mean, I had a great childhood. Um, And what about like theater stuff, since that's what you ended up doing? (laughs) uh, What what theater stuff do you remember doing growing up? Okay, so my parents, speaking of them, were massive theater fans. You know, my mom probably would have been a an actress or a dancer. You know, what she says is if she hadn't grown up in the 50s and 60s, she felt like she might have had more options. So she they loved theater and they would take us to see shows in New York. We would do like these like power weekends where we'd see like six shows in four days, wow. you know, and we just go for it. And um, 
so, so there was that. They introduced us to theater really early. And then my mom also was a part of a Christmas carol. She was a dancer in the ensemble at TIP. <laughs> and then um, they both did a show at Raleigh Little Theater. They did a production of MAME. And so, you know, my mom had four kids and she didn't have like babysitters. So she would schlep us to rehearsals and just, we'd, my sister and I'd be sitting in the front row eating like French fries and watching them rehearse or perform. So my sister, Catherine and I just got the bug so early. And then from there started auditioning for every production of Sound of Music and Annie you could possibly imagine. And pretty much played every orphan and every Von Trapp child. <laughs> you know, that was pretty much my childhood. So yeah, it was just, that was it. And then we, it became our lifestyle. Was there ever a time where you were eager to start and your mom wouldn't let you yet? No, because my sister was three years older and uh, I think it was more like she was eager to start. Okay. And my mom was like, no, I can't be carpooling you here, there and everywhere. And I played soccer and, you know, I had an older brother who was doing his own thing. Um, she was like, yeah, once I think my sister convinced me to go with her to auditions, she was like, okay, fine. Two this of you like are going. Two, yeah, two for yeah. the price of one. Kind of thing. <laughs> and I started, you know, I begged my mom to put me in dance class when I was two and a half. Oh, wow. So, you know, I mean, it was in my blood, obviously, um, but then also the access to it became really available once my sister got excited about it and all that, so. I mean, there's, you know, every kid when they play soccer or basketball or whatever, they, yeah. at some point they probably dream like, oh, that's, I, I could be a, you know, they well, see yeah. superstars and they, yeah. yeah. Do you think at that age, like you, it, it was more than just saying, I'm going to be, you know, I think a lot of people that are in shows yeah. say that this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then they, you know, they find, some of them find different paths. Do you think you knew at an early age? No, no, this really is what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think I always think, as a little kid, I was just like, this is my happy place. Like, put me in a dark theater. Put me in a rehearsal for, like, 10 hours a day. Like, I was so happy. I loved the community of people. So it was just so easy to be a part of it. But I'm not sure I really understood that people did it as a life, as a career, as a profession. When I was 7 to 11 or so. Um, but I, I, I was lucky enough to start working at, like, I don't know if you'll remember it, but there was a place called the Village Dinner Theater, and it was literally by the air airport, like where Angus Barn is. No, sure. tell me about this. I, don't know this I, I mean, it was so funny because, and it was the only professional theater, you know, that was in our area, which means that they had they would have one person come from New York who was a union actor, so it was part fly of the actors. In, leave equity. the airport, and <laughs> I, well, here's the funny story: is that the planes would fly right over it, and so we had like a light where if you saw the light come on, you had to stop. So the because the, the plane would go where it was so loud that you had to stop and wait for it to pass, and then the light would turn green again, oh and goodness. you could continue the scene. So wow. like, what age were you when you started working there? I was uh, like seven. I think I was playing Gretel in Sound of Music, as a matter of fact. And um, yeah, that was just a really funny time. And so I was sort of understanding that there was adults that like did this as a life, but not really. It wasn't until I was in, um, I started working with the North Carolina Theater, uh, which is getting ready to do their production of Mary Poppins. And they still do incredible regional like professional theater. And um, when I started doing their summer camps, and started doing that kind of thing, their educational stuff, um, I realized that, oh, there's like people who live elsewhere and they're hired from like New York or wherever and they're coming here and they're working here on the show for three weeks and they're getting paid. 
interesting. <laughs> I was like, oh, this might, this life might be for me. And then I really just was like, a hundred percent is for me. Like, no, and then I was just blinders on. That's all I cared about was being a professional actor. And did your parents ever try to talk you out of it? No, they didn't. I mean, bless their hearts. <laughs> they they knew it was a tough life. They knew that yeah. you didn't make a lot of money if you were doing theater, um, unless you're at this sort of top, you know, top tier. Um, but they just knew I loved it and they thought I was good. And so they just supported all the way. Like, That's bless great. them. Yeah. I know. Um, I was lucky. You are good. I've, I've, <laughs> I've been watching you for years. I still. Uh, well, I had to show choir with your sister. Uh, a show choir. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, the, I, I tried to. And I, I didn't um, gain the perspective until you get older mm-hmm. and you realize, like, man, we were being rehearsed professionally like yeah. we like the McBroom and, oh, yeah, and Andy totally. Haynes like like Andy Haynes. <laughs> um you know, you've, you've worked with other organizations you're like yeah. people don't push me like that you know they push yeah. you to be good you they, know yeah it's, it's sort of created a work ethic for sure and I still I still have memories of because um much like you talk about your older sisters I had older sisters in the show choir program yep. and I can remember Lauren Kennedy <laughs> Being lifted up, <laughs> oh your my love. God. You remember is, that? I mean, that, that was it, a star moment for and, me. But, for but sure. it, it was. But also, like, I also think, like, I'm not crazy <laughs> when I'm watching this, and I'm like, you know, I've gone to Broadway shows, sure. and I've gone to some other stuff, and I'm like, I know I'm like ten or twelve, but I'm like, this is this it's is good. Really good. This <laughs> is like it's the same level. I Listen, not- they also really cared about like production values, so the dancing was great. There was like smoke. And good. I was being lifted by like so eight good. guys into the air. <laughs> yeah. Like that set me up for success for sure. I think more, <laughs> as impressive as it was that they had future Broadway stars there, it's maybe more impressive that they could pull like eight dudes off the football team and be like, Literally. we need to, re- like, we got eight guys who are into their in theater, yeah. but we got to find eight dudes who can't, like, don't yeah. know the right foot All from the they, left yeah. or dancing. No. And we got to make them fit that in. That recruiting background. was so on point. It was so smart. <laughs> um, we, could, we could go down that road. I know forever. we could, right. but that was we, great for me. I want to talk more about theater to rally but a couple other things just on acting just from uh, sure. I, I like hearing these stories what's the favorite role you have ever pr- played performed she might have just told us about it well or show choir well they were both really high up there I have fond memories a lot of people still remember me as hello as Dolly Levi and hello Dolly my senior year at Broughton High School yep, I remember I have had a hard time living up to that to be quite honest <laughs> I don't know why people thought that was so good but um I was like, wow, I've really gotten better since then. So maybe you should come see something else. <laughs> but um, no, I don't know. It's like every, like if you asked me when I was doing a show, I'd be like, this, this is my is. favorite. But um, there's, I've had some really spectacular experiences. One being, you know, there's a little show you may have heard of called Les Miserables. Sure. So, um, I was 16 when it started on Broadway and my brother, Michael, he dreamed of being Gavroche. My sister dreamed about being Eponine. I dreamed about being a character called Fontaine, which Anne Hathaway won the Oscar for. Sure. So, you know, it was on Broadway for years, years, years. I was an adult, you know, I was, you know, in my thirties by the time I finally got an audition for it. <laughs> and I ended up being the last Fontaine on Broadway. Wow. And so it was so cool because, you know, you're stepping into this, this, picture you have in your brain. I've seen the show so many times, the turntable, you know, everything about it was like a living piece of art. And the first time I stepped on that stage, I was like, oh my God, I'm in famous. So I just must've been beaming ear to ear and looked like a dummy, but I was just so happy. And the whole experience was so happy because people loved the show. They announced it was closing like two weeks after I went in. So Everybody started coming back to see it. Terrence Mann, who was the original Javert, yep. 
who I knew from like doing shows in Raleigh too. Yeah, it was like such a cool like full circle moment. Um, And people were just going nuts over it. And it was like the most amazing experience ever. So that was Uh, probably my favorite. fear, if I was ever cast in Les Mis, (laughs) they'd be like, um... You sing it exactly like the soundtrack. I'm like, sorry, I've listened <laughs> yeah. to it 10 million yeah. times. You're like, sorry, I'm just delivering what I'm That's all pretty sure you do. want. So. Uh, and then the flip side of that, is there a role you've never gotten to play that you would want to? You know, um, I guess it's going to be so cliche, but like I never got to play Elphaba in Wicked. Okay. <laughs> and I really wanted to, like I really thought I was going to. You know, it just didn't happen for me. Yet. Well, no, I'm real old now. <laughs> Way too old to play a college student who's going to like which school. Um, but I was, you know, probably 30, 31. And I think, you know, I would I could have pulled it off back then when it started. And then just, yeah, nobody really thought that was a good idea. And I was like, really? I'd be so cute, Green. No, they didn't think so. Uh, so how did Theater Raleigh come to be? Then? Okay, that is a crazy story. Okay, let's hear it. Well, so I was in New York still being an actress and I couldn't see my life anything else besides just wanting to work as a theater actress and a singer and stuff. So I was just, you know, doing the, doing my thing. <laughs> and my brother, Michael was, um, at that time was a stage manager. He was working at the North Carolina theater. He was just kind of like figuring out what his life was going to be too. He's about five years younger than me. And, um, at that time, my dad had been, Really instrumental in helping create what is now the Martin Marietta uh, Performing Arts Center mm-hmm. downtown. Um, he was helping raise money for it, et cetera. And so he was very successful at helping get the funds to build it. So they decided to name a black box theater after him and my mother. So there's a, what used to be the rehearsal hall for North Carolina theater. And even for like the symphony, they painted it black, you know, and put a little dressing rooms back there and they called it a black box theater. And they named it the KD and or the Sarah Lynn and KD Kennedy Jr. Theater. But nobody was using it because it was real small and hard to make the money work. So my dad and my brother was like, why don't we do shows there? You know, we like shows. Why don't we do a season of shows? So they like, for three summers, they did like five shows within those three months. And um, they asked me to do some like creative consulting, like help like get people from New York to come down. And then I ended up directing my very first show I'd ever directed there. And so I was sort of like, oh, this is cool. Like I could get, get used to being in charge <laughs> or like having an idea of like, um, you know, creating something, not just being a facilitator, but a, like a creative artist. So that kind of happened. And then I was also working with some composers. I was creating an album. Uh, I did an album with a writer that I loved. And then I did a follow-up album with a bunch of new writers. And one of the writers asked me to direct a show that he was creating. And so then I asked my brother, I was like, can we do a production of it down at like what they called Hot Summer Nights at the Kennedy? They're like, yes, that's great. It's a great idea. And so February, right before we were supposed to do this production in June, my dad calls me and says, oh, so we've decided to close the theater. We're not doing it anymore. Um, It's, you know, we have too many other things to do. He's like, I'm running a business. I can't, you know, do both and, you know, whatever. And so I was like, what? I promised this person I would do the show. And I was like, well, I was like, I'll do it. Like those words came out of my mouth. (laughs) Like, I'll do it. And he was like, no, you won't. I was like, he was like, I'm closing up shop. I was like, well, let me do it. Like, fine. You close up shop. I'll start from scratch again. Can I just use the name hot summer nights? He was like, okay. And so, um, that's what I did. I was literally doing an off Broadway show called vanities at the time. 
I was learning about like how to open a theater. How do I get insurance? Like I was doing all this like recon and yeah, you feel me. And so I didn't know what I was doing, but I just knew I had committed to doing this show for my friend. And then I just, you know, picked four shows around it. We called it Hot Summer Nights. We did a season and that was that. And this is like 2008. This was 2008, 2009. Yes. And then I did, I ran it from New York until 2012. And then I decided to pivot and really go full in. So I moved back to Raleigh and did it, started doing it full time. So that was a kind of a, like a weird, like not, I didn't know I was going to be like, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, so how many times did you regret saying I'll do it? <laughs> only a few times <laughs> once today? No, I'm kidding. No, I love it so much. As a matter of fact, it's the, it's really the thing that I was born to do that I never knew I was born to do. I, mean, I really feel like I'm good at it. I'm better at it even than being a performer. I think. Um, so go I was going to say, so then it's 2012, you come yeah. back to town, you're in, I presume the same space for quite some time. Yeah. But now you are in a new space. Yeah. How did that evolution happen? Well, you know, the, Price uh, and the complications of doing something at the at the what was called the Duke Energy Center then, it's the Performing Arts Center downtown. Um, just every year got a little bit more and more difficult to do, just with like the expansion of downtown, the prices, the parking. You know, um, again, we were in this teensy tiny little theater yeah. around back that nobody even knew was there. So everybody, everybody was like, you're the best kept secret. I'm like, well, I don't really want to be a secret. I'd like to actually make money or like have this be successful. Um, So it constantly felt like we were struggling to get people to know that we were there. Um, And we were unable to grow was the biggest thing. It was 130 seats. There was no, yeah, there was no rehearsal space. There's no office space for us. So we had rehearsal space somewhere else, office space somewhere else. It was like, "Mm, let's just have one place where we have all of our operations. And then ultimately, um, COVID happened in 2019, which we all experienced. And it was sort of the um, kick in the butt to um, find our own space. And we found a warehouse space that's 18,000 square feet, but really like low rent. And um, we spent the first year of COVID just doing the work ourselves, rolling up our sleeves and laying floors and trying to get it to look cute, but it was very much warehouse. And like um, I may have said before, it was a church. It was a big, like 600 seat gathering place. And, um, they had, there was like a a pole every 50 feet. And so to really do it right. And to do a show, we had to remove one of those poles. And so I decided, yeah, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to raise money. I'm going to do a capital campaign and we're going to, you know, put a million dollars into this and turn it into an actual theater facility. And we did that. And we, that was completed about a year ago. And so now we're like, Hey, we've got this space now. That's great. So how many seats are in the new space? Well, it's a flexible space so we can seat up to 275. So it's still small, still intimate, but 275 is quite a big jump from 130. Absolutely. You know, but uh, we can all, we also have a smaller space that seats 90. We have a lobby cabaret theater that seats about a hundred. So we have all these different performing performance venues, I should say. Um, and we try to utilize them, you know, based on if the show's appropriate. And we're also doing live music. We're also doing like cabaret concerts with Broadway stars or local, you know, oh, you wow. know, artists and stuff. So we're definitely trying to optimize the space and have it be like a bustling arts center. Is there anything else in there that we haven't mentioned? You have a practice space in there too, right? Yeah, we have two rehearsal spaces, which is awesome. And we have like I said, your offices. We have our offices. We have a scenic shop where, where we build all of our sets. We have a costume shop where we build all our costumes. 
will build and buy and, you know, stitch and, you know, create. Store. <laughs> yes, exactly. Storage is everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we have a property storage too, where all like hand props and stuff, furniture goes. So yeah, we're like all in one space. It's really awesome. Um, speaking of space, I've driven by there and it cracks me up that there's a big sign that says the Kennedy Space yeah, Center. My, so it's owned, the whole complex is four <laughs> buildings owned by my dad who bought the building in 1979. Oh, bought the property right, right. and then built the, the earth, buildings. Right. Um, and he thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I know. It is hilarious. It's correct. <laughs> it's like, hilarious. What's funny is I, I think I've driven by it without really picking up on it. Yeah. But then since your space is in there and I was, I think I was being more confident. <laughs> you look, you're like, oh, Kennedy's the oh, lines, I get it. <laughs> like, I see what you did there. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think he ever dreamed that it would be utilized by arts. Like right. he was thinking people who like sell HVAC and, you know, things like yeah. that. But there is the North Carolina Theater has their conservatory there. Burning Coal, which is another theater company, has their a rehearsal space there. We're there, you know, so it's definitely becoming sort of like an arts yeah. kind of like district. And um, he is a great businessman, so he makes me pay rent, which I think is also. <laughs> this is probably a good time to tell people where it is. Okay, it's on Old Wake Forest Road. Okay. So it's between Atlantic and Capitol. Okay. Yeah. But you still perform in shows. Yeah, every now and then. Yes. Sure. But um, you went from that being mainly what you did mm -hmm. to now putting on shows. Or you started directing shows, like you said, back sure. in 2008. What's um, – I don't want to say what makes you more nervous because I feel like people take that <laughs> question. People get offended or whatever. Like, oh, I don't get nervous. So, yeah. But what's more anxiety-inducing, uh, performing yourself, which, you know, you're out there and everyone's looking at you, yeah. which you get used to, or – directing a show where you're not out there, but you have no control, yeah. you know, what, what's out yeah, there. Know. And as a performer, you have all the control of what goes out there. What's that's more really, I love that you, you know that. You know it's like theater's a performer's I, venue. I've tasted it just you enough have. to know. Because as, you, know, you could be like, what, I'm no. out there, I'm going to do whatever I want now. No, I um, mean, it is, it's like the performer's venue for sure. Like once you're out there, you're in control. But but leading up to that moment when you the spotlight hits you and you're out on stage as a performer, you have less creative control. So um, I, I think it's more anxiety inducing um, ultimately to be a producer because <laughs> everybody is relying on you to make sure the funds are there. They get paid on time and, you know, you have so many people to take care of, like the patrons, the artists, you know, the um, people who design the sets design costumes, all that. So there's a lot like riding on you because you're sort of like the buck stops with you. So that's the most anxiety inducing, but it's um, it's the most fulfilling because I can look around when a show opens and be like, I hired that awesome director who created an amazing space for these artists and this audience is loving it and it's just so rewarding. Um, but up until that point, you're just always like, I hope it comes, I hope it works. Um, and I think you get to a point when you're in the arts where, yes, there's anxiety. Yes, there's nerves, but it drives you. Like, it's why you do it almost. Sure. And even as a performer, you're like, I'm so nervous, but I'm going to harness that into enthusiasm and get out there and just, you, I'm clearly, I have to have this in my life. Otherwise, I would have done something else with my career. So, yeah, it's it's there, but it's used for good, I guess. Well, speaking of used for good, um, I have heard stories from friends growing up of the amount of time you spent giving back in this community, in teaching and in camps mm -hmm. and things like that. Is that always been kind of a core tenet for 
you as a performer, I mean, even when you were living in Raleigh, it mm-hmm. sounds like you were spending a lot of time in the area trying to bring up this next generation. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely is for sure. Cause I feel like I was born of this community. This is where I cut my teeth as a performer. I learned how to be a professional, um, through doing, you know, camps and summer camps at North Carolina theater or theater in the park, and then work, you know, do the stuff I did at Broughton high school, the arts, um, in the public school system was so informative for me that, yeah, it meant a lot to me to be able to come back and be that for other people and whatever that looked like, you know, whether it was, we were offering classes or I was directing or offering opportunities here for people, um, really investing in the local artist scene here as well and aligning the people that are, that are up and coming with professional artists from New York. So they can do like side-by-side training where they can, you know, work with somebody like, you know, um, like just recently we had, we did Jersey boys and we had, um, Matt Bogart, who was the original, like not the original, but he played Nick Massey and Jersey boys for eight years. Wow. And he came and he directed it. And he, like, and we had like 10 local actors here who got to work with him and experience sort of what that work ethic is and what that discipline is and that joy for the art form that we do. So that's a, that's a big deal for me for sure. And, you know, whatever I can offer, you know, personally is, you know, is, is, is always been important and continues to be so. There is a lot of great talent in this community. Oh, yeah. And a lot of people leave Raleigh to mm-hmm. air quotes, kind of make it yeah. big. Do you think that that has changed recently? Does someone who wants to be a professional have to leave this area to be successful in that yeah, way? Yeah, that is such a great question because I, you know, my my mission, besides the mission of Theater Rally, I do have this sort of grander overarching mission that Rally really could be a, um, sort of a, a, an arts hub for people who could decide to stay here and live and work and make a living as an artist. So yeah, I'd love for it to become more and more that. It, are we there yet? Maybe not quite yet. I mean, we have a lot of artists who work and do uh, amazing stuff, but they still have to have a side hustle. They still have to have a day job. Um, it would be awesome if we became more like Seattle or Chicago or Washington, where you could just be an artist and that is what you do and that's how you make your living. And so what are we missing for that? Is it um, policy? I, is it financial support? I think it's honestly just educating the audience of, of the, a theater-going lifestyle. Okay. How do you be, mean? Well, I mean, um, there's pockets of great theater, but you know, it's not like the Northeast. It's not like Washington where you you know you grow up in a – in an atmosphere where that is just an option of what you do is an entertainment, you know, dollar. That's how you spend your entertainment dollars where you're, you know, instead of going to a game, you're like, let's see a play. Or instead of going to uh, like a cool bar in a restaurant, let's go see live music. I don't know. I mean, I think live music and comedy and things like that are more commercially interesting to people here. I think theater and the performing arts needs some more. We need some more education around it. We need to, um, you know, invest in whatever that means in introducing kids to the wonderful world of live performance. Because I do think once you see it, once you experience it, you're like, oh my God, this was cool. And this wasn't as hard as I thought, or like, what was I thinking? Or this was so funny. You know, you get to see, you know, actors up close and personal and it's, it's at a pretty good price point to be, you know, quite honest in this area. So, um, I think it's just going to take time more than even resources, just time for people to understand that that's there. That's interesting. I'm trying to think of different ways that that could change, whether it's through 
more targeted, you know, towards children, but you yeah. know, cause when the kids want to go, the parents want to go. That's right. And that yeah. piece of it. But yeah, how do you get the 20 something crowd, the 30 something crowd to, well, having our in? ABC license helps, you know, like, yep. you know, making it a whole event. So what we're trying to do at our theater is like, come early. We're going to have live music in the lobby. Cause we have that cabaret lobby performance space. Come early. We have cool specialty drinks. We're, you know, making it a whole evening as opposed to just like show up, do your ticket, go in, you know, and have an, you know, whatever. Um, So we're trying to create opportunities where it feels like a whole evening. Um, One day I I hope to have a restaurant out there, you know, like a pub. And then after the show, there could be, you know, a cabaret or live performance or a saxophone player or something or a comedian or whatever, that it just feels like a, a destination. It feels like you can park once and you can go have a really cool, fun night in Raleigh. I like that vision. Me too. Uh, the the good thing is you do at least have the advantage of you know people people are coming. There's yeah. gonna be more people here tomorrow than yesterday. It's so for like, sure, if you're only catching, you know whatever percentage of the population yeah. is as the as the population grows, that the, yeah. that percentage uh, is more and more people. So that's and helpful speaking to well. your point about education. Adrian Cole with the chamber loved to say like we're playing to a parade. Yeah. You know, the, the messaging that you said a year ago, those people weren't here yet. They yeah. didn't yeah. get to hear it. And so it's that kind of constant it's so, drumbeat. It's so true. And it's exciting. I mean, honestly, the reason Apple and Amazon and all these companies are coming here is because we have a cool cultural yep. Yep. arts scene, amazing restaurants, great nightlife, ballet, opera, theater. Like, that's what they're selling the city on. Yeah. But um, what we haven't seen in the performing arts is the actual numbers of people to, that are supporting that. And then COVID, of course kind of took a little bite out of that, but I think, I think it's going to get there. So it's, it's like double pronged. I think we have to hit the Gen Z's and the millennials and get them excited about, you know, an evening out seeing theater and stuff, but also introducing children to, uh, performing arts and seeing it and having their eyes opened up by the magic of live performance. And, you know, I do promise like once you're in the theater and you see something, you experience it, it's, it is like transformative. Um, as a nuts and bolts thing, right. We don't have to hit absolutely everything, but tell me the programs that theater rally is doing now. We've hit on some of them. Sure. Sure. Um, well, we, um, we're in smack dab in the middle of our 2023 main stage season. So we are going to do a musical called The Prom, which was on Broadway in 2018. And it's a really fun, like, joy bomb is what I keep saying. It's just, like, so fun, so glittery and fabulous. Um, it's, It's a silly show, but with, like, a social undercurrent. It's about a girl in Indiana who wants to take her girlfriend to the prom. And the town is like, no, I don't think so. And these four Broadway stars need a cause because their careers are sort of dwindling and they need a cause to get back into like, you know, the papers. So they decide they're going to go help her get this prom going. It's hilarious. So it's sort of no holds barred. It takes, you know, it makes fun of everybody. Like nobody gets away unscathed, but in a really fun and fabulous and silly way. I like anything called a joy bomb. It's a joy bomb. (laughs) It's the music is so spectacular. Unbelievable dancing makes you feel good about being a good human, makes you feel good about being somebody who is accepting of others. And I, so I'm really excited about that. And then we're going to follow that up with a play called barbecue, which was written by Robert O'Hara. And it's a, it's, um, it's, the more social justice piece that we have of the year, but it's a really cool play of kind of um, asking the audience to sort of understand their own bias when they think about race, class, and that kind of thing. So um, it's a really hard 
plot to explain, so I won't even try. Sure. But um, it it, it kind of centers around a intervention of a woman whose adult siblings are trying to intervene with her drug use. Mm-hmm. It's comedy, though. It's <laughs> hilarious. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, no, no, I it's, it's sense was going to go. Yeah, it, the Nazi <laughs> say no, it's so funny. And raucous and wild. It, it's it's good. You're going to walk away and be like, what just happened to me? <laughs> um, and then we're going to close our season with a show called 1940s Radio Hour, which is, it's all American songbook music. So it's, you know, like the Andrews Sisters and like Boogie Woogie, Bugle Boy and all those kind of fun 1940s wartime, you know, anthems. And um, it's really sweet. It's Christmassy. It's like a Christmas broadcast. So oh, it's going to be cool. in December. It'll run from December 14th through the 24th. And it's, you know, it's definitely a, um, a love letter to our loyal patrons, you know, mm-hmm. which is our older generation of folks who who have always supported theater, always will. And so it's for them. So your main stage, how many shows is that typically in a year? It's right five. Now? So we had five done, shows. we did Jersey Boys, like I said, mm-hmm. and then we did a brand new play by a Durham writer called The Weight of Everything We Know which we um, found at a Playwrights Lab, North Carolina Playwrights Lab last year. It was a two-hander. It was really funny. I'm trying to help him, you know, kind of take it to the next level. Too. What does two-hander mean? Two-hander means two people. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> just two actors. <laughs> it's the I don't the person in this room who, doesn't, uh, who knows the least. I, I didn't know two-hander. I didn't know two-hander either. Um, so five shows on the main stage. Yep. What um, you've, you've mentioned concert tonight. Yes. I'm just going to, I'm just trying to get it. Yeah, let's uh, do it all. Know. I want to say it. Um, um, we So we started this year, uh, a series called TR in concert. So we're trying to do live music and we're, our main focus is on um, bringing Broadway stars and Tony award winners and stuff like that from New York to Raleigh and offering our audience a really intimate setting where you see it kind of stripped down. So for instance, we just had Norbert Leo Butts, who was a two-time Tony winner for, you know, a, a show called Dirty Rotten Scoundrels and um, Catch Me If You Can. And he uh, just did his show. He had a few players. He talked about his life and his career, some songs he wrote. And it, we completely sold it out. I mean, it's the opportunity for theater lovers to see their favorite theater artists kind of raw. Yeah, very up close and, and personal. Really like. up close and personal, like front row sitting like five feet away from him. Wow. So it's like super cool access. And we had another Tony winner um, named Rachel Bay Jones who won the Tony for Dear Evan Hansen. Um, I actually have a pretty exciting announcement that I'm going to, um, we're going to have a show in August. I don't know when this podcast comes out, so sooner uh, than that. that oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So, we're, so Ariana DeBose, who just won an Academy what? Award winner, is coming to do her show. That's exciting. August 26th Whoa. at 8 p.m. Yeah. Sick. Sick. Yeah. So Academy Award winners now in our yeah. TRing concert. How does that come to be? I mean, well, she's with a friend, you okay. know, she's like yeah. from the theater world. She's yeah. been a friend and she loves She's from this area. She grew up in Wake Forest, supports local arts, she, really uh, wants to give back to her community as well. So, the, like, the mission's totally aligned. I don't know if you know Lavelle Moten. He's the basketball coach at NC Central yeah. in front Raleigh. He was her teacher. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, just yeah. an unbelievable crossing of paths of, like, two people who are, you know, amazingly yeah. accomplished. So, and, she's going to be live at Theater Raleigh, you know. Dude, yeah, that's so that's so going to be awesome. exciting. And then we also have an, uh, a couple other Broadway stars, a guy named Matthew Scott, who's been in, like, you know, 12 Broadway shows. Uh, another um, friend of mine named Norm Lewis, who's also a Tony nominee, he's coming in November. So we're doing that. And then we're also doing sort of a companion <laughs> series, which is in our cabaret space, where we're supporting local artists. Same kind of thing. Um, we had Al Strong, who's a, a sort of a jazz trumpet player in this area. We have um, a lineup of local artists. I'm trying to get, you know, like 
Gene Jolly and yeah. Tiff Merritt and people like that, yeah, or, yeah. you know, like some of the people I haven't gotten them yet, but I'm trying. So Tiff, if you're listening, we run in the same, these are some so, of the same people we try and get as podcast guests yes, sometimes. Say, so. Okay. All right. Maybe we uh, can work together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's kind of a really fun thing to do. And it's, it's really fun and casual and you feel like you're in a, like a supper club in New York. There is a model in New York where, um, this is already happening. So it's like, I didn't come up with it, but uh, like, so when I was a performer, I would go do my sort of solo show at 54 below or Birdland or Joe's pub. And so I'm trying to create that atmosphere here too. And I think with every time we do things like this, it introduces new people to the theater scene or the performing arts or even theater. Realm. It expands their idea of what theater. Yeah, can exactly. Mean. Yeah. yeah. So how do people follow along or buy tickets? Well, they'll go to theaterrally.com. Okay. Or they can call our box office, which is 919-832-9997. It's <laughs> a landline even. Can you believe it? Talk to a person on the other end of it? You can. Wow. And we have an amazing uh, box office um, manager who's, she's she's almost like a concierge. She's incredible. She helps people and she's so lovely. And so we, um, but we obviously do tickets online and you can also show up at the door. Hopefully there'll be tickets available. Um, and you can follow us on all our socials. Um, just out of curiosity. So when you have, well, Ariana DeVos is different cause she grew up here. When you have your friend from Broadway mm-hmm. come to perform yeah. and they say, um, Lauren, I want to eat at the best place in town. What do I say? So funny. The, um, Rachel Bay Jones was like, I Googled and irregardless looks like the favorite place I would ever. And I was like, That's- yeah, absolutely. Sure, sure, sure. Um, I do love irregardless, but, um, it's funny how people will look and do their own reconnaissance, yeah, yeah, yeah. but I, you know, I, my favorites, I mean, I love the trophy guys. So yeah. I'm always like, go to trophy, yeah. go to young hearts. Or, um, of course, East end bistro is now my new fave. Yeah. Um, I just went to the merchant last night, which was so oh. cool. Have you been there? It's yeah. like a speakeasy uh-huh. at Virgil's barbecue on Salisbury. It's upstairs. It's upstairs. Uh, it's really, yeah, 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 really yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've been since it was an arcade. Gotcha. Yes, oh yeah, yeah. It used to be level up. Right. Yep. 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 Uh, I, was, I was just curious because, like, you know, you have these these friends come through, and I'm, I'm assuming they what want are, a good meal, and you want yeah. Raleigh to look cool. So yeah. I was wondering, like, where you— Well, I mean, honestly, like, you could throw a dart and hit an amazing uh, restaurant I know, here. I know, but I want to know what your, like, go-to is. Like, I, you know, it, I, yes, I, there are lots of well, places Well, I mean, well my on, go-to is, like, honestly, Crawford & Sons. Okay. Like, that's— there we go. That's where you should yeah. hit somebody. Yeah. Because I always um, feel this kind of pressure when people are coming to town to like, yeah. I want them to love Raleigh the way I love yeah. Raleigh. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I can only imagine when you're talking about people who are Broadway stars. Yeah. You've been in New York. Yeah. Where there's yeah. that sense of, no, Raleigh's really cool. I promise. Yeah, let me show you. Let me show you. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's that's where I feel. I would be like, you got to go to this place. And then I'd be well, calling Well, tell them me where, like, what you say to my, people. Mine's my, my Stanberry. Oh, well, Stanberry's that's, amazing. I, mean, I don't know why I didn't say so. You're right. You're right. I don't, I don't, it's. We can all sit here and love fest all the restaurants, yeah. but I, when it no. comes down to it, I want to know where you I know, love Stanberry. Some, some place you send somebody. Um, but um, but yeah, that's you know that, that's but it's all that same vibe of like I want somebody to be like oh this is uh, Raleigh has cool places. It's so, so yeah, cool. That's that's where I send them. So that's. That's a good one. It's hard to imagine that you have free time, given everything you just told us about. (laughs) But if you were to have free time, what do you do with it? Well, my husband would say I work 24-7, for sure. Um, Oh, well, um, I'm going to see Wrexham tonight. That's so fun. (laughs) So I do love sporting events. um, My daughter is a a rising sophomore at Duke, and um, we have always been Duke fans, Duke. Because in our blood, my dad went as well. Um, and so we have had season tickets to basketball games since I can remember. And I go to every basketball. I love 
basketball. I like that you called it the Wrexham game, not the Chelsea game, too. Oh, excuse me. Well, no, I, I just I'm hoping like to it. see Ryan Reynolds. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I always, you know, I used to literally produce a sports radio show, and then I would drive to Christmas Carol practice. Yeah. <laughs> and it'd be funny because you. And I think stereotypically you think like sports people would be so dismissive of theater. Sure. But I felt like the snobbery sometimes went more the other way. For sure. Right? Like the, some of the sports people were like, oh, yeah, not, you know, I don't That's know so as cool, much, but, but I would love, yeah. you know. And some theater people were like, oh, oh sports yeah. ball. Oh, you're a basketball <laughs> fan. Ball. Oh, yeah. a couple of people, I mean, totally sports ball. Sports yeah. Ball. I don't they, know anything like, about it. They won't even say the right yeah. name. You know? like, I, I've always found there's so much in common between the two. So much. It's because, theater. Um, so sports like, is theater. Coaches yelling at refs. I'm like, these are not normal. Like, they don't behave like this no. in the real world. Right. They don't heightened, yell at you know, circumstances. They know they are there playing I mean, a role. Yes. Like, it, it's you know, a show. If, if, if there weren't a crowd there, they would just say to the ref, I think you got that one wrong. Yeah. But it's like, but they're of, like, yeah. yeah. I mean, managers in baseball games walking out there is a yeah. whole like nuance yeah. to it. Some of it's improvised, but some of it is a lot like, of it's you know, planned. A lot of it is exactly like, you know exactly what, you're, what to you're doing. Oh, no, so. Totally. It's totally playing roles. No, it's, I think there's a lot of connective tissue there for sure. Oh, I love it. And seeing people. Uh, thrive or mm -hmm. I never root for someone to not do well in right. theater or whatever. Yeah. But sometimes that reminder of like, oh, this is live. Like, yeah. this is, you know, seeing somebody struggle. And that's exactly <laughs> right. Because theater's the same way. It's like anything can happen. This yep. is like happening in real time. Even though you know the lines you've me memorized them, it doesn't matter. There's all these different elements that can happen that like, you the know, you have to take your car. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I never Can't root, plan for that. I never root for things to go wrong in the theater, but when they have, sometimes they oh, evoke like, <gasps> the same. You know, or um, uh, I remember a um, who uh, uh, Jekyll and Hyde. Mm -hmm. There was a I was at the show, and it was maybe near the time where he's like going back and forth in between, mm -hmm. like in his super acting, and there's like something that doesn't go off stage the way it's supposed to, and oh. he's expected it to. You know, yeah. and, and seeing him and realizing like, wow, that. That You're dude did about, his whole thing. That was Sebastian Bach, right? Well, uh, did you see it here? No, no, no. This, this, it was in New York. Okay. In New York. But like if something went wrong. Yeah. And you could tell that something was going wrong. And then you're like, wow, that guy overcame uh -huh. his, you know, the, the, the world falling apart around yeah. him. And, no, it's, really and it makes fun. for an even like cooler moment. So, no, of course. People anyway. love that. <laughs> uh, we mentioned the website. Is, is there anything else people can do to, to get involved besides buying tickets? Do you take volunteers? Yeah, we absolutely take volunteers. We love volunteers. We have people, you know, at least three volunteers at every show who um, get to see the show for free. So it's fun to be a volunteer. We also, you know, have a board of directors. We have, um, we do events where we ask volunteers to represent the theater, et cetera. You know, but my main, you know, talking point is come see shows. Like we, our ticket prices are pretty affordable and you okay. get to stand like, or sit, I guess, you know, 10 feet away from Broadway caliber actors and actual Broadway stars. And, um, you know, you're paying between $35 and $50 to see that in a really intimate, fun space. And um, it's just such a great community. So I think the main thing we'd like to say to people is just come come see shows. Give it a shot. I know you're going to want to see it, you know, um, succeed. And so ultimately, we, 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 we were able to turn ticket buyers into volunteers, into donors, into you know, supporters. Yeah. Thanks so much for the time oh today. Wonderful. That Thank went by you. so fast. Thanks for everything you're doing to uh, to make theater and rally awesome. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. This was really fun. Thanks for listening to Podcast Rally. Review us on your favorite podcast app. If you like this episode, share it with a friend.